Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Yoga Club for our Christmas outside broadcast in association with our friends in Marks and Spencer. It is time for Movies and Booze. And we have a massive table here. Uh, it's like the United Nations. And we're just about to declare war on somebody. Uh, we have Annette Freeman, Brian Lloyd, uh, birthday girl Arlene Hunt. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Arlene. Yeah, you thought I'd forgotten. Uh, Leslie Williams, Jean Small, and Mick O'Connell, and Dean McGuinness. Uh, good afternoon to you all. Good it's, uh, oh, yeah. Lovely to see you all. Nettie, let's start with you because. Um, Geez, hello. How are you? Because you're the furthest away from yeah, me. Yeah, I know. So, you know, you I, I might send a little train down towards you at some point. Did you watch the, the, the Harry and Meghan thing? I sure did. I took uh, time out of my busy schedule yesterday during my lunch hour, and I uh, watched it last night, so I kind of consumed two episodes. Um, it really, like, you want to be living under a rock now if you haven't heard that this is out and it's dropped on Netflix. Um, you know, I guess... Uh, it's a docu-size, a docu-series thing, so they're like talking in it, they're talking to camera, and then parts of it is interview, and parts of it is what like happened in the media over the last couple of years. And bearing in mind, like they've only been together six years, right? And they've had, you know, their courtship, and their engagement, uh, the wedding, kids, and then Megxit. Um, in, in most recent times. Um, and, like, you know, what this, my takeaways from it is they clearly are mad about one another. Um, she was intent on being single. This is exactly how it happened, Sean. She was intent on being single, and then he walked into her life. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, she, You know how she found out more about him? She looked through Instagram. I know you, you what? loved her. What? She, she had not, like, she, pick up a feckin' newspaper she, yeah. like anybody else. <laughs> But, like, I think it's their time to tell their side of the story. You know, I think that uh, I do believe they were, of course, they were absolutely hounded by the media. They've walked away from it. They've exited royal duties and royal life. And they, like, what are they going to do? They have to, they ha- this is a good opportunity. Post the Oprah interview, which clearly didn't make them enough money. Now they've got this series with Netflix. Um, so it's uh, a no, real... Well, actually, that's a good, have they addressed that? Like, is he going to get a job? Uh... Uh, no, why is he it training as a plumber or something useful? <laughs> uh, like, I think it, this is the thing. It is their chance to make money now. He's got a, a book coming out as well. A book, imagine, um, in the next while as well. So, like, it's really twee American. She calls him H. Her closest friends call him H on the camera. They're speaking. It's all very, like, um, cheesy. Um, you know, the kids, they're, you know, walking in front and they're feeding chickens. They're on the beach. They're flying kites. Not an iPad in sight, randomly enough. <laughs> yeah. And they're all really happy and nobody's oh, barking at one are, another. Yeah. But and they're feeding chickens. Do they have a farm? Or yeah, what's they do. Going on they've, there? They've, got, they've got chickens. I don't know. And I've seen some donkeys. Uh, yeah, okay. and they're living in California, and like she's a good fit. Like it's clear, she was a good fit th- for the royal family. Okay, she's a real high achiever. She's well raised, a bit, you know, kind of coming from a broken home. But he, so did he, and that's you know spoken about in the documentary as well. But like, um, it just the race thing comes up and clearly that was an issue within the royal family and they tried to quash that and make it like, well, you know, all of our, all of the women that married into this organisation or this firm were treated the same. Mm. Um, so why should it be anything different for her? She should be absolutely 
you know, like kind of court the media or, you know, just ignore them and actually pretend they're not there, one or the other. But like, it seems like nothing she was ever going to do was good enough, you know. Mm. So, and then he clearly cannot abide the media. And obviously, you know, that stems from the way that his mother was... Uh, you know, treated, and that's all explored in the film as well. It's really interesting. It's it's actually a must watch if you are into the royal family. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, it's kind of. Oh, you enjoyed it then? I, I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. I did, but I'm taking it like I, I am being a bit like it's, it's cynical right. about it as well. Yeah. You know, it's like. Did anyone on. else here watch it on the panel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of the crown, and Diana has just got to Australia, so I, I reckon this is two or three seasons ahead of where I'm at currently. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I suppose they, you get different people to play different things there. Then yeah. the rest of you watched it. You watched it, Brian? Yeah, I watched it, yeah. Yeah, and? It's, I, it's, it's a polite audience. I don't want to say what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's what it's like it's what is it like? Four, no, yeah, I can't say what you can't. No, well, we should make a, a, a note of the time. It is uh, uh, thirty-seven minutes past two on the 9th of December. Uh, it's the first time in his life Brian Lloyd has not said what he thought. Well, like it's I, a thought, historic I moment. just don't want to get like the BAI breathing down your neck. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Do you really want the, me to leave, really want me to leave the can, just leave the schmutty talk out of it, and you can say what you think. That's, okay, that's fine. Um, I think it's horribly contrived. I think the entire thing is completely staged. There isn't, I, there isn't one moment of that show and I'm sorry like I know look oh, if you're sorry, into the royal family it's apologies no but just like I mean I watched it and I was like I could like it, there's nothing there is nothing in it that anyone who's watched the royal family doesn't already know so like there's nothing kind of like revelatory about it mm. it's not groundbreaking in any way shape or form and look I mean this isn't like a oh, who cares kind of thing. Like clearly everyone does care because there's so many people watching that and like they are a part of, you know, I hate to use the word, but the zeitgeist or whatever. But the actual documentary itself does nothing other than just I just reinforce how kind of pointless the royal family is and how royalty in general is just so like the last what when did the last High King die here? What, the twelfth century? That was the last time royalty had any kind of relevance on daily life. So like why people give a uh, just, I, I just, I pull my hair out every time. And I have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I pull my hair out every time anything to do with the royal family comes up. It drives me nuts. Oh, there we go. Seriously. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? No, indeed. Who Will cares? Who does? Yeah, but like, it's, it's nice to watch it. It's like, this is like watching the Kardashians. There's so much, like, there's so much <laughs> else you could watch other than is. that. And I do watch it, but this is nice to watch. Well, it is. That's the thing. It's Kardashian type stuff. It's yeah, celebrity I, I, gossip. Look, the Kardashians, no problem. Totally get it. They're billionaires. They're in the public eye. Da, 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 da. They make sense because they are, you know, have some sort of value, I suppose. But royalty, what? What's the value like? No, none. What did uh, they add? Um, what did they add? Utterly <laughs> not. No, not Nothing. at all. No, no. Why? No, I, no it's a, it's a, it's inarguable. They have no value whatsoever. No. What? They wear nicer clothes than the Kardashians. You've got to admit that. So, yeah, that's that's well, that's just I one think reason. The Kardashians yeah. would uh, would dispute that. Yeah, I, I, I don't but I, no, but I mean, well, like fashion is subjective, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, but I'm right on this. Billions. That's a United Kingdom economy. And how much are they paid off the civil no, list? I know, but I mean, it's, it's part. It's, it's part and how of much of that, How much of their money is made from slaves? God, this is mad, isn't it? I didn't think it would go this way at all. 
I mean, Brian, you're, you're, yeah. you're right. If you, like, if you, if you, um, I mean, the people are still going to go visit the uh, castles, even if they're not there. I, and if you put their heads on spikes in front of it, you'd get way more visitors. Okay, right. The Palace of Versailles, for example, makes huge amounts of money for the French government. Do they have a? Do they? I'd have say there's people every day disappointed that when they go and this king is not there. You know. <laughs> anyway, now I'm sorry, sorry I asked. <laughs> yeah, did um, you? And I tried to talk you out of this. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, after the show, here will be uh, Brian will be leading a few verses of ooh up the ra. Um, <laughs> Mick, uh, everyone was given a glass of fizz. Tell us about it. To, to, to be honest, I've totally forgotten about it. I, I had this really well prepared, but now it's something to do with royalty or ex-royalty. I can't quite remember. We've got a glass of Marks and Sparkle in front of us. Can you guess what the sparkle is related to? Does anybody remember the dark days of the very, very early 2000s? There was a drink called Goldschlager. Yes. Yes. People remember that? Do you remember the myth of how basically this would get you wrecked really quickly? Goldschlager will get you wrecked. Have a shot of that first. I seem to remember selling it to people uh, with... Um, apparently it cut into your neck and the booze went straight into your bloodstream. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there could basically be a film about that and we I, could I critique remember, it. I remember yeah. it, being, it being sold to me on that, yeah. We, 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 we should get some royals involved and it would be epic. Um, this is... Um, my nan used to call... I think lots of people's nans call Marks and Spencers Marks and Sparks. This is a genius bit of branding, Marks and Sparks. Finally, this is a kind of Prosecco-style um, sparkling wine. It's a sparkling wine with some peach liqueur added in oh. and some of these delightful gold flakes. I'm holding it up as if the people at home can see it. It's, yes. it's, it's very special in front of a studio. Use your oh, imagination. Great. Oh, yeah, you can but see them in the bottom of the glass. Gold that is cool. Yeah, no, it was going on. Oh my God, gold flakes in the bottom. So, I, I, I personally know some of the guys who buy wine for Marks and Spencers, and they're very, very smart people. And I have to say that they have nailed Christmas in a glass here for many Prosecco drinkers across the country. It's like, all when you taste Prosecco, it's peach, it's pear, it's all of those fun things. It's a little bit frivolous and fun, and you probably drink it by the pint as opposed to necessarily by the glass, if you see what I mean. Yes. And, and I can see this really filling that Prosecco space. Yeah. 15 quid a bottle. What do you think, folks? Excellent okay, stuff. they like the gold flakes. Movies and booze are Moncrief. On News Talk. Good morning, Papa! Uh, what is this? What kind of sorcery? You wanted me to live. You asked for me to live. Who, who are you? My name is Pinocchio. You're not my son. Don't come near me. The boy's telling the truth, Master Geppetto. Ah, he's full of cockroaches. Right. Uh, right, so um, no royalty in this, Brian, so uh, we're 
we're fairly clear there. Uh, so this is like stop-motion animation yes, type stuff. Yeah, Jim yeah. Henson Company um, did this with uh, Guillermo del Toro. And if you don't know Guillermo del Toro, he did The Shape of Water, that one with the fish. Mm-hmm. And then he did Pan's Labyrinth. So he's known for kind of taking fairy tales and kind of, I suppose, heightening the darker edges of them, if you know what I mean. And the case of Pinocchio, I mean, really it's the story of Frankenstein. It's the idea of someone who's lost someone and then decides to bring them back to life and it obviously haven't kind of horrible consequences for all concerned. Um, but what I found really interesting about uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, because there was one earlier in the year, the one with Tom Hanks that was mm. on Disney Plus, wasn't that good. Um, this is set in 1930s Italy, so it's actually like the rise of fascism and like Benito Mussolini actually oh. plays a role in it, yeah. And again, it kind of takes the things that are sort of inherent in the Pinocchio story, like the Frankenstein, but also the idea of, of you know, soldiers... In, I suppose, like when they're kind of taken up by a demagogue, they're basically just puppets on a string. And he then becomes part of this sort of like traveling military show where he's like, you know, played for all the, the young kids to kind of get them wrapped up into fascism as well. So there's a load of interesting kind of topics in it. And as you saw there, like it, it's quite dark in parts as well. Mm. But I mean, you know, there's always, always these kind of arguments with these sort of very elevated animated films. Like, I mean, are kids going to get anything out of this? Is this not a bit beyond them and all the rest of it? I disagree because, I mean, I grew up in a generation watching like Labyrinth and stuff like that and The Dark Crystal and Legend and they were very, very scary. Like you go back and watch them and they're horrifying. And then the never ending story as well. Remember the bit when Artex gets pulled into the swamp and he's screaming and crying and all the rest of it. Like I'm saying like fairy tale children stories can be very scary and very, very dark. And I think like in recent, like the last, I don't know, 10, 15 20 years, they've become a little bit homogenized, and I think this is kind of a return to the sort of the darker edges. Yeah. So... You're not, I'm not selling it to you at all. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, you sit down with your seven-year-old who's watched uh, Frozen on a loop for the last 14 weeks. Yeah. Uh, is she going to go, oh my God, fascism references, I love that stuff. But no, but like... You will, and that's the, that's the important thing. No, like, I think they'll get, like, I mean, there are a lot of, there is a lot of comedy in it. There is definitely, mm. like, there are a lot of funny parts in it as well. Like, as in Pinocchio sings a song about farts to Benito Mussolini. Okay, that's always a winner. That's yeah. always yeah. a winner. Yeah. I was laughing. Yeah. Um, and I do think kids will get something out of it. Yeah, of course, some of the, the kind of the more historical references will fly over there. Of course it will, unless they're reading history books, which, you know, great. Um, but I do think I, I, I think it does have a value to kids I, do, I think we kind of tend to I speak down to kids a little bit now in certain terms of like the media like Peppa Pig and all the rest of it like it's just so kind of infantilized oh, here we go. Yeah. what? <laughs> what? <laughs> It's, but there is, a, there is a go off the royal family. <laughs> yeah. No Peppa no, Pig. All the sacred the cows are getting yeah. done today. They're all getting done. Nothing today. sacred. <laughs> no, but I, I do. Th- I do think that, like, it's, it's speak down. It's speak to kids rather than down to them. I yeah, think. but they're kids. Yeah. All right. I don't have kids. So no, I don't no, know. It, it, there's a lot they don't know. Yeah, but like they'll learn, and they yeah. learn by watching stuff like this. Yeah. Okay, but it might be might be a bit disturbing for them at that I, age. I, pfft. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tough enough. Tough right. Enough. Okay. So we have to put them through the horror of history yeah. uh, as well. Well, uh, they've got to learn sometime. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go no, for it's it. Not that, it's, no, it's not that dark. It's not yeah. horrifying. It's, just, yeah. it's a little bit scary. Yeah. But it's, it's really one, a kind of a, a, a kid's film made for adults, but I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's still worth watching. Like I, I do think kids can get something out of it. Like I, I look. If I had a seven-year-old daughter like you, I would absolutely show it to them. No problem. Well, you're never meeting my seven-year-old daughter. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Fair enough. <laughs> Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. We're coming to you from the Sugar Club in Dublin with thanks to our friends uh, in Marks and Spencers. Uh, the, could you say hello to Murren? Uh, she's sitting in the front row. It's her 50th birthday. Yeah. Is she in the... Uh, are you there, Murren? Oh, there you are. Hello. Congratulations. I'm not going to give you any. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I will. I'm going to give you uh, two tickets to see the 1975 in the Three Arena. Because that's kind of when you were born. So. Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, thank you very uh, You're her official spokesman, sort of thing, yes. 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 Okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, so uh, enjoy that. I'm zipping through this very quickly because the, the discussion we had on the royal family kind of uh, ate up a lot of time. Uh, ne- before. What? <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, so where is Therese Hayden? <laughs> Hello, Therese Hayden. How are you? Are you well? Oh, God, you look terribly surprised. <laughs> Now, we were, the, the, uh, and, and the couple we were talking to earlier on, they both have birthdays in, in uh, December. When's your birthday? Christmas Eve. Oh, God. That's shocking. Yes. Was that hard when you were a child, even? Uh, well, it can be overshadowed, yeah, by the whole Christmas event. Um, my yeah. mom was always good at differentiating between birthday and Christmas, but then I'm the second youngest of eight yeah. <laughs> and um, so you would have got presents but it would have said happy Christmas birthday you know Aww. she was forgotten about <laughs> so like was there even a, like a birthday party or um, sometimes <laughs> this is my sister um, yeah. ice cream and coke would have been kind yeah. of you know I actually see no sympathy in the face of any of your sisters though. <laughs> none none <laughs> Ah, oh, God, love you. That's hard. That, that's tough. And uh, and uh, Hobby has kind of had a well because of your son as uh, special needs. Hobby had a bit of a hard time this year as well. Yes, he fell down the stairs carrying our son who has special needs. Um, broke his leg in two places. Oh God! So I'm laughing, but it's not funny. It's yeah. Not funny. <laughs> and how's Living the le- a cello that's getting? Down. Yeah. And how's the leg now? It, well, my son was he thought it was hilarious that he had to hop to the um, ambulance because they were trying to get <laughs> he thought that was hilarious right but you've, you've built an extension I understand so it's, it's um, yes that's been a few years in the making we were yeah. trying to fundraise and we weren't entitled to a grant and you know but yeah. it's, it's, it's all come around now so he's in his new bedroom with his bathroom downstairs alright yes. fantastic good stuff well what I'm going to give ye is a two night stay in Fota Island Resort including dinner one of those nights And you have babysitters sitting beside you as well. (laughs) Don't forget that. Right, uh, there's a a white wine, as I understand it, being handed out to people. So, uh, Jean, tell us about that. Okay, (coughs) this is one I did taste earlier. Um, This is the Marks and Spencer's classic number one Bourgogne Chardonnay, and it's €15. Now, uh, funny enough, they, they sent me out the sample to try last week, and last Sunday, in one of the glossy supplements, there was an article, a feature saying, oh, Chardonnay is back, you know, obviously in the UK now. Um, I don't know why people think Chardonnay ever went away, because anybody who drinks champagne is drinking Chardonnay. Anybody who loves Chablis is drinking Chardonnay. Um, But what they actually mean is this very oaked, 
style of Chardonnay that became enormously popular in the 1990s. It came from mainly Australia, also had Chilean Chardonnay, a bit of South African. For God's sake, people are naming their children Chardonnay. You know, I mean, it just got, and it was the Sauvignon Blanc of its time, and people could not get enough of it. And then suddenly it was like somebody turned off the tap. Nobody wanted Chardonnay. And I mean, having worked in the wine trade for many years, whenever I give tastings and I hand out to say, oh, we're going to have some Chardonnay now, the faces all drop. And they go, Chardonnay, oh, I hate Chardonnay. But apparently it's coming back. And I mean, Chardonnay is a unique, it's native of Burgundy, which is where this particular wine comes from. It's the native white grape of Burgundy. So what you have is a, a, a grape that hasn't got a huge amount of acidity, but that has a great affinity of wo- with wood, so that when you actually age it in an oak barrel, it takes on all this lovely vanilla, creamy, buttery characteristics. And apparently, there's um, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Chardonnay that's Californian called buttery, creamy something. I, 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 that went over my head. But apparently, it's the new whispering angel. So you heard it here first. So, but I mean, you don't need to go to those extremes. Look at this. This is a really subtle, well-made Burgundian Chardonnay. Um, the man who makes it, it comes from a, a cooperative called Cave de Vigneron de Buxy, um, which was originally founded in 1931. Um, Alain Pierre is the name of the winemaker. Um, it, they, it's a very good cooperative, and they built a brand new state-of-the-art winery in the last five or six years. And you know what? If you, if you like really classy wine, and particularly something that will go, white wine to go with turkey, you would not go far wrong with this. The, the um, 2021 classic number one, Bourgogne Chardonnay, 15 euro. If you stick your nose in there, you do get those lovely kind of buttery, but it's not very, the, the, the nose isn't very pronounced. It's not, to, oh, you know, it's not like screaming uh, buttered toast at you when, you when you sniff it. And then when you try it, there's a nice edginess to that. And there's actually quite a lot of refreshing lemon-lime fruit in there. Um, a lovely, well-made Chardonnay. And, you know, get, it's back. So go out and get some. Yeah, and it doesn't scream butter toast. Right. Butter toast! <laughs> uh, right, the hashtag, by the way, is Christmas Day movies. Honey, I'll murder the kids, uh, being uh, one example. Uh, a fourth person in the studio with a, a December birthday is Arlene Hunt. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Did you... Uh, did you suffer equally from, like, all the other people? No, no, my birthday's earlier in the month and it was not too close to Christmas, so I, I got away with it. Right, OK. And uh, you're, but are you going out tonight for a... Yeah, up? yeah, I'm going down to uh, Ranala later on for dinner. OK, nice. Because I'm, I'm 50 now, I can do that. <gasps> <gasps> She's a grown-up girl. Uh, right, uh, uh, Arlene's going to tell us about our next movie. It's called Nocebo. Here's a clip. I had an encounter with a dog. A hideous thing. I don't know where it came from. There were ticks, clusters of them, hanging off the animal. I have nightmares about that dog. It bite you? No. A tick did. Then my problem started. You helped the tremors and memory, but you have cures to the other problems. I can help you, but it's not forever. Yeah, I understand. And I would, of course, compensate you for this extra work. No, no, I don't want that. But it's only right. No. But I need you to help me. How? You trust me. 
Okay. Not very Christmassy. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, I think this would be better if it came out um, towards Halloween, but it's just the way it was, was, was released. Uh, it's a good spooky... would be a good spooky, eerie Halloween movie, but... You know, there's a lot of happy, clappy stuff over Christmas, so this might counterbalance it slightly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what's going on here? Uh, so Eva Green there, which most people might know her from Penny Dreadful, or you know, and she is a fashion designer. She's a, a children's fashion designer. Uh, an unethical woman to a certain degree. She buys in a lot of, you know, what we would call fast fashion nowadays, so clothes that are made on the cheap mm. in countries where the, the, the workers' rights wouldn't be great. But that's neither here nor there. Well, so we think at the start of the movie. And she gets a phone call while she's in the middle of a fashion show. And the phone call, we don't really know what's on the other end of the phone call, but the phone call disturbs her so much that she has a mental and physical and and psychological breakdown over it. And um, so she's married to Felix, who's played by Mark Strong, and they're very wealthy. This is set in Dublin, by the way. This film is a Dublin Philippine, Irish Philippine cross-section of, of the film boards. Um, so they, she li- they live in a, uh, an affluent area in Dublin. They're very wealthy. Um, their child is in private school and they're doing very well for themselves. So this breakdown is completely out of character for her. And we see her then eight months later and she's kind of coming back to her old self. She's very jittery, very nervous. When this lady here with Diane arrives on her doorstep and said, well, you hired me, I'm here to help. But... Christine doesn't remember hiring her and neither does the husband remember mm-hmm. Felix remember hiring this woman so she just pops up on the doorstep and they go yeah come on in oh that happens Here's all the time yeah, yeah as you would as yeah. you do and so uh, Diana's philosophy she's from the Philippines and her philosophy is very set in traditional healing and herbal medicines and you know trying to get to the root of the as she says there you have to trust me mm. but uh, yeah there's a there's a, an undercurrent the whole way to their relationship which is quite it, it's worrisome. Right, okay. So, the, is that woman who turns up on the doorstep, is it a spoiler to ask, is she the cause of what the, the breakdown was? or, or? She's, she's not. So, the, the film, because Christine is a very unreliable narrator, we don't know if she saw that dog or not. Mm, mm. She doesn't know if she saw the dog or not. So, it's very difficult. And her symptoms, when she, she has all these flare-ups and symptoms, but when she goes to the doctor, they vanish. So we don't know if what she's saying is real or what she thinks is real or what she feels is real. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so there's a whole kind of... um, Not only is the relationship between her and Diana complicated because you're not sure what's real and what isn't with them, you don't know what she's feeling is real and what isn't real. So it's this kind of mishmash the whole way through, which is very confusing for a while because you don't really know if what's happening to her is actually happening to her but clearly something has happened but we don't know what it is is this in cinemas or yes from friday from today actually in cinemas from today right okay see brian that's one to take the kids to obviously (laughs) (laughs) movies and booze on moncrief on news talk well you are listening to the moncrief show on news talk still in the sugar club in dublin with thanks to our friends in uh, marks and spencers right we haven't heard uh, much from dean mcginnis or 
actually nothing uh, from Dee McGuinness. So we are going to talk about uh, the beer now. Tell us about the beer, Dee. Okay, yes. So what we have today is a Christmas beer from Marks and Spencers. Now, when it comes to Christmas beers, they can generally go in two directions. Uh, Most Christmas beers tend to go down the heavier alcohol route. You get a darker beer, lots of alcohol in it, usually about 8, 9, 10%, uh, sometimes up 10, 12%, and that alcohol gives you a lot more warming. There's another route you can go, and unusually this beer is a Belgian beer, so you would assume that it's going to be above average strength, but it's at at a fairly respectable 5.1% ABV. With some beers, they're brewed with what's called rut, G-R-U-U-T. It's a, a blend of herbs and spices, and sometimes those herbs and spices would have Christmas connotations. So the beer that we're tasting today is a, a white beer, a wit beer from Belgium, uh, brewed by Hocht Brewery, which is one of the uh, independent family breweries in Belgium. It's one of the, the larger independent family brewers. Um, in terms of the colour, uh, golden hazy colour, and then uh, instead of hops, uh, which would give a bitter flavour, you've got a certain amount of spiciness in the beer. So uh, nutmeg, white pepper, uh, clove coming through on the flavour. And then an amount of fruitiness, which has some ripe banana, uh, some peach, but it brings us through a, kind of an entire trip through the orange. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> so what does that mean? You, you get pretty much every kind of orange flavour that you can get. So they use uh, curacao, they use orange rind uh, in the beer. Uh, so that gives a kind of a bitter, um, bitter orange flavour, similar to what you would get in Quantra or Triple Sec. Thank you. Um, uh, they have coriander, which gives you a certain amount of citrus flavour. And then in terms of the body of the flavour of the beer, you get uh, orange juice, like freshly squeezed orange juice, uh, like the orange pulp. And then there's a, a vanilla flavour, which kind of blends with the orange and gives a certain amount of orange pith, oh. which is the white bit between mm. the flesh yes, and the... It's vine. very precise, Dean. Well it done. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just for the benefit of the audience in the Sugar Club, don't worry, it's common. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of, where is it? we're tasting, we're not tasting anything at the moment. There's a lot of drink, it's hard to stay, uh, to keep up with it, to be honest with you. Uh, right, that's very nice, Dean. It yeah. is lovely. Uh, and yeah. as you say, it's only, oh, well, only 5%, but it's a less head wrecky. It's 5.1, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're used to about 42 4.3% in Ireland if you're drinking mainstream beers, so it's about 20% stronger than a, a mainstream beer. But uh, generally around the world, uh, Ireland's unusual because um, we're... Uh, one of the only countries where a number of the mainstream beers are at 4.3%. So Heineken and Budweiser are 4.3% in Ireland, 5% in every other country in the world. Oh. Um, so they, they seem to have an impression that there's some reason, given the volume that we drink, that they might need to reduce the alcohol. <laughs> makes no sense to me no whatsoever. Sense whatsoever. They, they do not understand the culture of Ireland because we are restrained and controlled when it comes to... Absolutely. <laughs> As you can see from the strings of empty glasses and everything... <laughs> Right, well, uh, move on to our... Now, this is a Christmassy movie. It's yes. called Violet Night. Here's a clip. <laughs> is this our, our Santa Claus? To whom am I speaking? Well, for tonight, I'm Mr. Scrooge now. What is it that you want exactly, Santa? I want you to put down your weapons. I want you to let this family go. And then I want to find my reindeer and I want to continue delivering my presents. All right, who the hell are you really, huh? Some security guard who's watched too many action flicks. Some loser ex-cop stuck in a mall playing dressed with fat kids <laughs> pissing on your lap. Stop me when I get it right. It's a little more complicated than that. Not to me, it's not. 
because I want to make it my personal mission, my holiday to-do list, to find you and to end you. That is a terrible thing to want for Christmas. Maybe you and I should discuss that in person. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I, uh, Brian, I've read some reviews of this, and they all said, oh, this is garbage. But I really want to watch That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, it's enjoy- like, it is such enjoyable garbage. Like, it is a terrible film. I'm not going to say it. Like, I gave it two stars, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. Having said that, I think if you watch it like this, half cut, but a lot of people <laughs> you'll have a great time. You'll love it. You just need to be like three sheets to the wind to enjoy it. Like, that's it. But yeah, like, I mean, as you see there, I mean, it's basically Die Hard just taking out John McClane and then putting in Santa Claus. That's literally. That's li- yeah, it's actual it's Santa, actual Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Except yeah. he's bitter and stuff. Yeah, he's like, it's kind of like a bit, you know, he's you know, worn out from doing it. People don't have the spirit of Christmas anymore. He's sick and tired of delivering video games to kids that don't even play them that much and all the rest of it. And, like, the opening scene is him in a bar, and he's almost like a cop, like, you know, that kind of, is like, I've been on the streets too long, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, and he's, like, taking slugs of and all the rest of it. And he winds up at this um, uh, rich person's compound, which, look, don't get me started on rich people. Um, <laughs> but they're all terrible, though, they're all terrible, that's the good part, they're all terrible, like they all are. And... Um, he then basically has to save this cute little girl who's been stuck with the rich people and has to get her out and then save everybody else as well. And the terrorists that are there are trying to rob the rich people, which is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I mean, look, it's very, very predictable. David Harbour, who people will know from Stranger Things, he's kind of playing the same kind of role he did in Stranger Things. Um, you know, kind of put upon, very, like, weight of the world on his shoulders, beaten down and all the rest of it, but still going to give it a Christmas try. John Leguizamo, who you saw there as well, just absolutely hamming it up and enjoying <laughs> it. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's enjoyable. It is terrible. But, like, again, you need to be, like, half yeah, full. Fine. Like, merry. Great. You need to be merry. Like, uh, where, where, uh, where can people see this? You can see it in cinemas right now. Right, okay. Is it going to be in any of the streamers? Because I'm too late. Oh, yeah, probably so, will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it, like... Three, four months and it'll be in. All right, oh, great, that long. Crikey. Uh, Now, uh, I thought Christian Bale, is Christian Bale in some movie on Amazon at the moment? Or in Prime? No, Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix? Yeah, Yeah. the the Thin Blue Eye. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's an Edgar Allan Poe thing. Okay, sorry, yeah, yeah, because I totally my mistake. So tell us about it, Nettie. Uh, yeah, so uh, the play Blue Eye, um, it's going to be on uh, our screens in the cinemas on December 23rd. It's a murder mystery drama set in rural New York in nine, or 1830, starring Christian Bale. Um, he plays a detective, uh, Augustine Lander, who's uh, called to investigate a case where a cadet has been murdered in, in the military. It's slightly suspicious because his heart has been ripped out. Um, so there's a nice uh, twist in the story in that uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, is joins Lander to solve this crime. Um, so Poe was played by Harry Melling, who's obviously from the Harry Potter series. Um, he played a role as Dudley. Um, and uh, he's a hatred for the military. So um, they join forces when uh, Lander, um, played by Christian Bale, is faced with silence from the cadets. Um, so together they solve this mystery. It's uh, written and directed by Scott Cooper. It's really dark, kind of gothic vibe, 
really wintry, perfect for this time of year. Um, it's, on net, or it's going to be on Netflix on the 6th of January, so not in time for Christmas, but still. Right, you know, okay. It, but, it looks it, amazing. It, yeah, but it's the, Christian Bale. It's not, it was never going to be a comedy anyway. No, it wasn't. No, that's true. That's uh, true. Feeling good. And what's the deal with Wonder Woman? They've, they've basically axed it. Yeah, well, it is disappointing news around this. So, so DC bosses um, have turned down uh, Wonder Woman's director uh, for the third movie. It didn't really align with the direction of the studios. What does that so, mean? I mean, we thought it was rubbish. It's, it sounds like they did. Yeah. Um, but it, the news comes after the star of it, Gail Gadot, told fans on her Twitter page that she was looking forward to uh, starring in the next movie. So there's a bit of uh, um, kind of what's happening there is un, unsure. But the first Wonder Woman was released in 2007 and it did really really well in box offices so but uh, this one for now has been shelved by the looks of it did it do well in box offices the first Wonder Woman yeah. did yeah. yeah yeah it did yeah and Wonder Woman 1984 did okay but not great the reason why it's been cancelled is because um, this director James Gunn and a guy Peter Safran have taken over the DC films slate if you like and they're basically doing a big massive reboot again because why not and you know, like Henry Cavill was meant to be coming back as Superman. Yeah, and that's doing a, that now. Yeah. So um, yeah, so they're basically like planning out a whole mother slate of uh, DC films, and Wonder Woman won't be in it. And I can just see the interest, and like you're so excited. <laughs> I, could just, I could just see the life going out of your eyes. Yeah. DC. When they say like, I mean, they're like other DC characters. Yeah. They're going to make films with. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to like just, you know, they'll do like their Blue Beetle, I think, is coming out next. Oh, that's my favourite. Right? Yeah, who the hell's <laughs> But yeah, no, like, I mean, they have, like, I mean, DC has been going for, God, nearly 80, 90 years. Like, so there's any number of characters that they can whip out and make a film out of, like, God just have an so. endless list of it. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, Arlene. Yeah. Um, Things we should look out for next year in kind of the movie sense. Well, not just next year, later in this month as well. Um, so we have Avatar, which was one of the biggest films. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Avatar fans. <laughs> so Avatar Way of the Water is coming out on the 14th of December. Um, and it's uh, back to director James Cameron again. So it's, it's going to be big. It's going to be bold. It's going to be... If you're a fan of the first film, I think this looks incredible. I've only, I've only seen the trailers of it now, but it looks stunning. Is it, it going to be 3D? Like, do you remember the last one? Was? Uh, the, I, I don't know if it's going to be 3D, 3D this time. I think it is. My, my, my understanding is that it is. But it also, he's done a load of work with all the underwater work and stuff. So it, it looks super impressive. The trailer, even the trailer alone, is like going, okay, that actually might be worth going along to see. Mm. No, I mean, because it's always very, it's just his, his scripts are absolute pants. His world building is brilliant. <laughs> Well, you know, I, this film is about, like, it's about the Navi people again when they're protecting their planet. So, you know, it's going to be quite intense. So, you know, yeah. suspend, your, suspend your... Oh, no, I'll still go and see it. Okay. Bri- yeah, Brian's going to go and see it too. Okay, and yeah. then uh, December... For work now, for work. Yeah. For all right, okay. De- December 23rd is I Want to Dance, which is a biopic of uh, Whitney Houston. And that is, looks incredible. It looks amazing. It's, uh, it, there was a film out about her a couple of years ago as well, which was an actual uh, biography of mm. hers. And, but this is a film based on her life and her yeah. complicated relationship with her father, her complicated relationship with Bobby Brown, um, and that amazing moment in the middle of the... when she, she did her live performance of the American National Anthem. Mm. Like, it would send chills up your spine watching it. It's really incredible. Yeah, but so, I assume there's a lot of tragedy in this as well. Oof, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like, she, she had a complicated relationship with her, with her mum, and, 
she, I think she hid a lot because she was a girl from a particular area and she was expected to behave a certain way and she, because she was very Christian orientated and had to hide her own sort of sexuality, who she was. And it's just very complicated. And she was an amazingly talented woman and that, that, that comes through in volumes. Yeah. Her, talent, her level of talent is... She's a showstopper. Yeah. So uh, B- uh, Babylon, tell us about that. Oh, Babylon is... Uh, this is a big production. This, this looks like something that Baz Luhrmann would come out with. It's so loud. Um, it's very big. And it's basically um, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. It's a whole star studded cast. And it talks about the, uh, the... It's all about Hollywood. The shenanigans of Hollywood. Making it in Hollywood. But at that, at that you know, pivotal moment when Hollywood went from being uh, silent movies into the talking movies. And how that was a real sea change in filming. And people, you know, people put a lot of money into silent movies. And then there was suddenly, there was like talkies coming out and not everyone was happy about it. And also the shenanigans behind the scenes. It's a debauched, uh, it's a debauched industry. Uh, I say smiling like this. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> I think we kind of... Uh, but it looks, it looks wild. Again, it, yeah. again, I've only seen the video for the trailer for it, but it absolutely looks like... And everyone's having a... Margot, Margot Robbie has it dialed up to 11, Spinal Tap 11 in this. She looks incredible. The whole thing just looks bonkers, and I can't wait to see it. Okay, sounds like... Uh, it does sound like fun. Now, we do... Uh, I think you have had... Uh, you, are, you were in the process... Uh, our studio once in the process of uh, getting their red wine, and it's... As they do that, it makes me think we should appreciate the people in our lives who are special to us. Um, and some people I, I want to mention, Joshua, Iswalt, Matthew, and Sifra, uh, who were the people who are serving you the wine today. So you give them a round. <laughs> yep, they'll clap at anything now. Oh. Right, so Leslie... <laughs> Tell us about it. Right, okay, so it's, uh, it's Beaujolais Village, right? Uh, now, you'll notice it's served quite cool, and this is the fashionable way to serve it, and I would recommend that you absolutely think about doing this, certainly for inexpensive Beaujolais. Now, we, people in Ireland get a bit confused about Beaujolais. They think, oh, that's the Nouveau stuff that you drink on the third Thursday in November. Yeah, that, that is a thing you can drink. I recommend generally not drinking it, to be honest. <laughs> Having said that, if you go to someone's shop like Nick's shop, yeah, he's a very nice one. Uh, so the good... Um, Beaujolais, Village, uh, Beaujolais uh, Nouveau is, is, is worth buying, but the commercial stuff, generally, uh, I wouldn't drink it. I would drink Beaujolais Village instead. So if you think about how Beaujolais works, it's, so it's Gamay grape, it's part of Burgundy, I mean, it's officially part of Burgundy. If, you drink, if you're drinking Bourgogne Blanc, like Jean served earlier, that probably came from Beaujolais. It probably didn't come from the, from the, uh, the Cote d'Or, the northern bit. So Gamay is a grape, it smells of cherries, it's bright and juicy. Uh, this is a woman winemaker, Sylvie, Sylvie Ravier. Um, and you probably already drink Beaujolais, but may not know it, because there are some Beaujolais villages. How, how France Appalachian systems work, very quickly, is if you, if you imagine it's a Dublin 6 as Beaujolais, Right, and that can be from anywhere in Dublin Six. And then Rathgar would be Fleury, and maybe uh, Highfield Road would be the village of Morgan. And then there's a few other villages. We'd like to apologise to all the Northsiders listening at this moment. (laughs) So let's take. uh, Let's say. Let's say. Let's say Dublin. uh, What I can't even think of a number of Dublin. Admit it, Leslie, you're too scared to go there. Brilliant. (laughs) So let's take Hoth, for example. (laughs) 
Leslie, that's County Dublin. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm happy to be in the north. Stop kidding. Kula. Let's say Kula. I, I don't know much about Kula. Right, look. Yeah. Rahini. I used to live in Rahini. Rahini. <laughs> Dublin Five. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. So, yeah, so the poshest part would be, uh, let's say, Drumcondra, which is a nice part. Our Clontarf would be Morgan Cote de Pee, because that's very, very exclusive. So these are sort of, I'll run through the villages. There are nine, ten villages you should know. I'll try and remember them, right? So there's Brulee, Cote de Brulee, Sanamore, Chirubla, Chenas, Renier, Julienas, Morgan, Moulin Avant, and Fleury, right? They're all the villages. Fleury, you know, um, but Beaujolais Village is basically wine made near those good villages and sort of of slightly higher ground, bit more character, bit more flavor. This is about 15, 16 euro. I think it's uh, all just juicy cherries. It's perfect. Right. Now, going back to where you went, <laughs> apart from you insulting large Swedes yes, yes, in the yes, city. Yes. Now, you know when people used to fly over for the boat? Yeah, they knew, that was Niveau. Yeah, was that, we don't, that stuff? We yeah. don't do it anymore. No, yeah. no, look, here's the thing. If the commercial stuff, right, the, the, which is the big producers, that tends to taste of bubble gum and banana peel, and it's just not that interesting. But the natural guys, and the, if you've probably, probably, some of you probably heard of natural wine, well, that movement started in Beaujolais, and they're using zero sulfur, when they're adding almost no sulfur at the end, which means you get very bright, juicy, primary food flavours. And then you can make quite an interesting Beaujolais Nouveau. It's been fermented just for about three weeks. I mean, three weeks, Mick? But yeah. yeah. Um, it's so it's not much. No, but it yeah. doesn't need much more than that. Yeah. Um, and there is a tradition in France of having a party when the harvest is in. All the grapes are picked. We've, we've ha- taken a breather. They're all fermented. They're all good. Let's open some of them and drink a bit. And they yeah. do this in parts of France. And that's where the Beaujolais Nouveau yeah. came from. It's fantastic. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It's great. So, Mick, as, as a, a proud Northsider and a neighbour of mine, uh, are you... I, I, I'd be having a word with Leslie after the show. <laughs> so, so Dublin 13, yeah. you know, a, a kind of maybe unknown uh, postcode in North Dublin. We would, we would be Cherouble in, in, in the Beaujolais. Uh, a little tired, actually, Cherouble. Must tell the neighbours that. They'd be delighted. Ah. Right, so, Brian, you've compiled a list of your uh, top ten movies uh, of this year uh, for people who haven't seen them. So, start with number 10, I guess. Number 10. Elvis. Elvis, yeah. So, have you seen it, by the way? I haven't, no. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was great, yeah. No, I thought it was really, really good. We were talking about Baz Luhrmann earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really Baz Luhrmann's version of Elvis, which means it's totally over the top, completely outsized, brings in, like, you know, modern music in it, tries to seamlessly weave it in. Austin Butler was the, I suppose, the discovery of, of the year, really. He played Elvis, did it incredibly well. He's now going to be starring in Dune Part 2. He's going to be huge. Um, Tom Hanks was the weak link in it, though. I thought he was terrible as Colonel Tom Parker. Like He was yeah. just really kind of, oh, I don't know, he just was just not good at it. I was just mm. kind of hammering it up. But yeah, Elvis thought it was great. Fantastic. Yeah, now, interesting now, and I, I'm sure you won't be alone in this, that a lot of critics' top tens will include a fair amount of Irish films and mm. or Irish performances. Serial number nine uh, is The Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah, The Banshees of Inishirin. I have to say, like, yeah. People are, sure. Um, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, they are fantastic together. They're so, so good. It's not on the same level as in Bruges in the sense of, like, it's a lot more kind of philosophical, a mm. little bit more kind of darker. But, yeah, I mean, Colin Farrell, he has hit his stride playing 
really sad sack individuals. Like, yes. He really, really has. Like, because, you know, like he, for years he was being put into, you know, like Phone Booth and Alexander and like people were trying to make him into a conventional leading man. But I think he's really hit his stride playing these sad sack characters because another film on the list is The Batman. And he plays uh, the penguin in it. Yes. He plays this like really messed up version of the penguin and he's really kind of pathetic kind of character. He's unrecognisable. Unrecognisable yeah. completely, yeah. And I think that's where his strengths lie. Brendan Gleeson, like, he's able to play that dour darkness. He'd do it really, really well. But, um, yeah, and it looks incredible as well. And Kerry Condon uh, was the, uh, I guess, like, the... What's that? His term? sister. Yeah. yeah, his sister. But, like, she was brilliant in it. She, yeah. like, just blew it out of the park. Yeah. Fantastic. And Barry, what did you think of Barry Owen? <sighs> this is controversial because some people think this is the role of a lifetime for him and other no. people don't like it. Definitely not. No, no, no. Like, he's good. I just, his character is very, I know he's meant to be annoying, and I've heard some people say that his character was actually autistic, but wasn't actually, because it wasn't defined back then and all the rest of it. I don't know. I thought he was trying very, very hard, and I think Barry Keoghan's at his best when he gives a very natural performance, and it didn't feel natural in Banshee's. He, but sometimes he gives the impression that he just, like, turned up in a film set, where, yes, yeah. this is bad, isn't it? But that works, though. Yeah. That works for him, like. Yeah. But if you uh, see him in, if you saw, if, if you're seeing in smaller films like, you know, Camelot Horses and things like that, he's incredible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now they're waving at me here because we've run out of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much. Your number one is, and I think a lot of people would, uh, uh, would agree with you on Colin Kewen. Yeah, on Colin Kewen or The Quiet Girl. Yeah. Has anyone seen it? Yeah. It's so good. It is so good. Yeah. Um, made the most amount of money for an Irish language film ever. Uh, currently is at 100% in Rotten Tomatoes. People are talking about it, seriously talking about it, winning Best Foreign Language at the Oscars this year. I hope it does. I Brian, really, really it's not it foreign. Well, then, it's, it's not a foreign language. Well, to, to everyone well, else. To them, just to the royal family. Just to the royal family. Everyone else. Everyone else but, um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I really, really loved it. And I, like, it's, it's made the highest amount of money for an Irish language film ever. So it's brilliant. Loved it. Fantastic stuff. Right. Uh, thanks to uh, Annette Freeman, Arlene Hunt, Leslie Williams, Jean Smollin, Mick O'Connell, Dean McGuinness, and His Highness Brian Lloyd there. Just be given a, a nighter, uh, we've heard. Movies and Booze, I'm Moncrief, on News Talk.